modified soldiers. I don't need to tell you how much trouble you can get into snooping around military affairs, do I? That's just the thing. All of my usual sources say there's no official military installation on that island. Krieger has been known to perform genetic experiments on humans. Now he resurfaces on an island secured by soldiers? Welcome to Now Playing Podcast Review of Far Cry. Oh man, I got a bad feeling about this. Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series. I'm not sure much more of this I can stomach. Hosted by Arnie. Are you saying that you can't control it? Justin. You know this guy? Oh jeez, he looks rough. And Stuart. You can use him under certain circumstances. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. Let's not go over the top. Listener discretion is advised. If you're not going to do anything, I will. I'm going to go get my gun. Today, we are discussing Uva Bowl's final video game-based movie. We never have to talk about Uva again. <laughs> After we discuss Far Cry, starring Till Schweiger... Emmanuel Vaugier, Michael Pare, Clint Howard. Who was Clint in this? I don't remember seeing him. He got shot. He's under a mask. You can't see him. He's a scientist. Okay. Will Sanderson, Ralph Mueller, Michael Eklund, and Udo Kier, directed by the one, the only, Uva Boll. This is the now playing co-host who wanted to die fast, you know? Like by a shark. Instead, it's slow death by Ball. Arnie. And Stuart. And this is Justin. And I'm I'm probably like a two out of ten-ish. <laughs> oh, come on. You're at least a three. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm at a ten out of ten right now. You know, with this year already, 2021, starting grad school, my mom just got vaccinated for corona. And I think the most important thing that I've done this year already is is, yeah, put a moratorium on Uva Bowl. This is so great that we're finally done. I'm so happy. <laughs> it does feel like a, a dark cloud is parted finally. Although I freaked out. I will say I shat myself because <laughs> I went just to double check. I was like, I know he retired to go into the restaurant business, but no doubt that's folded now. <laughs> so is he like planning a return to come back? And I shit you not, coming out this year, Rampage 4. I was like, no! <laughs> They've given him that franchise and he's made three other ones? Like, how <laughs> is this possible? His own original concept. Rampage is something he's done in the last 10 years. It's about some Washington, D.C. killing spree, which sounds strangely relevant, actually, right now. I can just imagine how self-important Uva feels in making Rampage 4, but... We don't have to cover that series. And after Auschwitz and his Attack on Wall Street film, I have no need to hear Uva Boll comment on America's current crisis. Oh my God, no. Far Cry, though. I didn't know anything about this game except I had seen the cover. It was like around, but this was a PC game from the early aughts. It was a first-person shooter. It came out in 2004, and I was moving on to console gaming by that point. And then I saw that they'd come out with a few more, but never paid much attention to it until we decided to review it for this series. My 
thinking was, I knew that it was a popular game. And, you know, now that we have a now playing arcade, I've just become more aware of what the big titles are. My sense was, before I turned on this movie, was that we were getting like a Soldier of Fortune kind of story. Like it would be Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, some kind of SEAL Team Six infiltrating a bad guy fortress and shooting people first person. Justin, have you played the game? I haven't played it, but I'm I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Arnie, where it's like, I definitely heard of it. I know I could probably draw the logo from memory, but never really hit my radar to the point where I needed to play it. But I, I know it always gets good reviews, like just being on Reddit back in the day. People are always talking about Far Cry, so at least I know that it has a reputation that hopefully couldn't be tarnished, but we'll get into that. Yeah, it survived Uva Bowl making an adaptation, so it has to be a pretty good, damn good game, because where's Blood Rain? Where's Dungeon Siege? <laughs> well, what's funny is this game was never intended to be a game. <laughs> what? There was a company called Crytek, and they were hired by NVIDIA, who make some of the world's best video cards for gamers. They were hired by NVIDIA to make a tech demo to show off the power of this new graphics card in like 2001, 2002. And so Crytek made this demo and then said, you know what we can do with this demo is we're partially there. Let's make the world's best shooter game engine. And a game engine is really where your game companies make money. Yeah, sure, you can sell a few million titles and make some consumer money, but if you build a Quake or a... Unreal, yeah. A Far Cry, you've created a game engine that you then license to other companies to make their games using your core code so they don't have to reinvent that wheel, and then you're making money off of hundreds of games instead of one title okay so this is kind of like slapping you know new people can take what you did and slap new skin on it call it something else and they never know that the at the core of this is something called far cry they may know and sometimes you might see that it's in the crytek engine it, a lot of them do say powered by unreal and just because you're using an engine doesn't mean you're just reskinning the game. Mm. You could take this and make a flight simulator out of this engine oh. if you worked hard enough, you know? Okay. The easiest thing to do is take it and make another shooter, but a good engine can do a lot of things. So they start with a demo, then built an engine, and as they're building this engine, they're like, you know what'll really draw attention for this engine? Why don't we make a game? Let's just put a game together, just gonna slap a game and put it out, and we're not so worried about the sales, but it's really gonna show off what this engine can do. And for 2004, this was advanced as hell. I mean, you could drive vehicles, you could fly hang gliders, you were running, you could actually like tilt out from behind a wall, it had smart artificial intelligence. Now, in 2020, most games have smart artificial intelligence. But in 2004, it was a big deal that if I shot one enemy, he could yell for help and send up a signal flare that would bring all of his friends. That was cutting edge back then. And so what does the title Far Cry have to do with anything? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. The company's name is Crytek, and they're like, Far Cry. Yeah, that's it. Hmm. And it came out, and the game was like a big hit. <laughs> they're like, great. And they started selling their engine. They got out of the game business. Ubisoft, who makes Assassin's Creed and whatnot, bought the Far Cry name after the first game and started building all the sequels. And Crytek went back to engine building. I think I saw they were on Far Cry Engine 3 now. And they put out a couple games still, 
but nothing that's gone gangbusters. So you're telling me that this is a plotless shooter that involves really expensive ways of moving around. It sounds perfect for Uva. I can see why you would give it for him to ruin. It's got a plot. Each of the Far Cry games, I played one, two, and five. And each of the games seems disconnected, but you play some kind of mercenary CIA soldier type who is unwillingly brought into some kind of conflict. You have to rescue somebody or you have to overthrow an overlord. And you Okay, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Got people radioing you instructions. I played the hell out of that first game. I can't even believe it. I got it through Steam's because it was PC only, and I didn't realize Steam keeps track of how long I played it. In one week, I played it for 48 hours and 10 minutes. I was addicted to this game. It was hard. I thought, it's a shooter. I know shooters. I'll just go in there. No, like one bullet from a sniper and I'm dead. I only got to level nine and then I'm like, I'm so close to beating this game. I've played 48 hours. I got to be close. I looked up a wiki. There's 24 levels. I'm on level nine after 48 hours. I'm like, Hmm. oh boy. But it is fun. You've got to use tactics. You get all of these different weapons and you can only carry four on like some games where you just have imaginary big pockets and can carry rocket propelled grenades and BFGs and all this other stuff. And you're going up against mercenaries, but there's a Resident Evil bit to it because on the island was a scientist who was doing experiments on primates and turning them into what looked like Resident Evil reject monsters. Hmm. So there is a mutant plot line. This isn't just Uva Bowl recycling House of the Dead here. No, it's the video game itself was recycling so many of these, but it was on a tropical island. It was actually really cool. Huge maps. Like I said, I'm on level nine, but I was only on, I think, map two. You know, you uh, like a Grand Theft Auto type thing where you could just go anywhere and do anything. You can use stealth or you can go and kill everybody. You can do all these different tactics to try to win. It was really fun. And then Far Cry 5 is the newest one. I played some of that on my PlayStation And this takes place in a dystopian United States where there's gangs everywhere and you're on the run and then you're abducted by a gang. And the controls were much, much harder, I found, on the PlayStation versus using a mouse on the PC. But it was still really fun. And out of all the now playing arcade games we've done, I think this and Final Fantasy are the two that actually have made me really big fans where like after we're done reviewing the movie, I'm still going to be playing these games. (laughs) But will you go back to the movies? Uh, Probably not, my guess. This one's great. You know, Crytek was a German company, and the owners were neighbors with Uwe Boll. Oh, I'm so sorry for Uh. that. For lots of reasons. I imagine (laughs) that he's really just a bad neighbor, you know, like noisy, screaming, always taking phone calls. (laughs) I I just picture like death metal playing 24-7. But on the bonus features, every single person said Uva was laid back, you know, never got upset with anything. He probably, my feeling is he doesn't give a shit. But Mm. (laughs) they just like, he's one of the most laid back directors I ever worked with. Well, before Far Cry the game even came out, before it was a hit, they sold Uva the rights to Far Cry. <laughs> yeah, what did they care? They didn't even think it was a game. So, <laughs> I, I, again, low stakes, sure, I'll give it to my neighbor. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like there's some set dressing and a 
basic outline for something to maybe base a movie on. But is there a main character that kind of follows through in this entire game series or some sort of gimmick that would draw you in to be like, oh, I'm excited for Far Cry 4? No. The What would make you excited is the Far Cry name and knowing that the mechanics are the same. But like in the first game, you play Jack Carver, who we're going to meet in this one. Okay. And in Far Cry 2, you can play a number of different characters, male and female, but none of them are Jack. You know, I did watch a great video on YouTube. Eurogamer is like one of my favorite game YouTube people. And he goes into some conspiracy theories where like somebody mentions the name Jack in each of the games and is like Jack, the hero of the first game, but then becomes the Blofeld for the next four games. (laughs) That is kind of fun. Is there going to be a Far Cry 7 that suddenly reveals all the games have been connected? But as of now, kind of like Final Fantasy, each one is a standalone adventure, but with similar play mechanics. Okay. Okay. So, yes, Bull is free to do whatever, and there's no Sonic the Hedgehog or Laura Croft that's going to be ruined if he doesn't deliver. But... There had only been one Far Cry game when this was in production. I mean, Far Cry the movie came out on October 2nd, 2008 in Germany. I don't know exactly when in in the States. But three weeks later came Far Cry 2 the game. Mm. So he only had one game to really base the movie on. And I'm surprised how close he went. I mean, the game starts with a female getting a ride to a mysterious island on a boat by a boat pilot who doesn't want to be there. The boat gets blown up by a bazooka and the guy has to go on the island and rescue the woman and kill a lot of troops and uncover this mad scientist's plan. It's kind of the same. I mean, out of all the Uva films, I think this is the one that really closest followed what was done in the game. That's kind of shocking. I would assume Uva hears that and then it's like, okay, great. This is going to take place on the moon in the <laughs> yes. year 35,000. <000. laughs> and I'm going to make my actors tell the rest of the story because I can't be bothered. <laughs> well, Arnie, why don't you tell them the plot and we'll see how close it is to Far Cry. Emmanuel Vaugier plays hard-nosed newspaper reporter Valerie Cardinal. Valerie's Uncle Max is a mercenary working for Dr. Krieger, played by Udo Kier. Krieger has been doing unethical experiments on troops, turning them into zombie super soldiers. Max is uncomfortable with this, so he tips off Valerie. To get to Krieger's secret island lab, Valerie hires Max's old army buddy, Jack Carver, played by Till Schweiger. After his army service, Jack became a tour boat captain, and he agrees to take Valerie to the island, but he will not go with her to see Max. Jack's boat is spotted by some of Krieger's troops and blown up with an RPG. Jack narrowly escapes and swims to the island. Jack rescues Valerie from Krieger's troops, and Jack is ready to escape, but Valerie won't go without Max. So the two try to infiltrate the base, but are captured. Jack gets tied up with an obese food delivery guy named Emilio, played by Chris Coppola. Because this was around the time of Blood Rain 2. <laughs> He's back. You don't do one movie, you do five for Uva. It turns out Max had been caught leaking the information, so Krieger turned Max into one of the zombie super soldiers. Max goes to kill Emilio and Jack, but Jack reminds Max that he has a niece who's on the island, 
So Max turns on his creators and starts killing Krieger's troops. And then all the zombie troops go mad and start attacking every non-zombie around them, including Krieger. Jack, Emilio, and Valerie escape from the island on the only boat, leaving Krieger to his fate as credits roll. Not surprisingly, it took me a while to to work up the courage to sit down with this movie. (laughs) I really, really, really dreaded sitting through this. And as we get this opening that is full of soldiers in the dark that I can't keep track of in weird upside down shot from above angles. And I'm like, oh, no, just tell me that it's not about them fighting zombies again. I really, really was hoping We weren't going to get House of the Dead, but some kind of monster seems to be grabbing and snatching them and and pulling them away from their Humvees. And the monster has interlaced vision. It's got lines between it all. Kind of going cat people or wolfin or predator, I suppose, is what Uva would like me to be saying Mm. with the monster vision. Yeah, predator. I was thinking we were going to get commando, but you're right. They're going for predator. Yeah, I mean, and I'll I'll give them this. I mean, even in video games, like slight details do make all the difference. You know, I mean, we can call these guys zombies, but after all, I mean, they're they're genetically modified humans. You know, I mean, yeah, for all intents purposes, they're zombies, but they're being mind controlled with technology, and Krieger can control them with voice commands, and he can see what they're seeing through their eyes. So, eh, zombie might be a little bit of a misnomer, but. I mean, I'm going to give movie that much credit that it's not just another zombie type of movie. Hey, points for coming out two years before Captain America and people were thinking about super soldiers. He's actually ahead of a trend for once. Points removed for this being a plot from Buffy the Vampire Slayer a few years earlier where there was a computer programmed super soldier zombie. Yeah, I mean, and and, uh, super soldiers are not an original concept. It it wasn't like he had a genius idea that Marvel stole. I'm not implying that. I'm just saying that, to your point, this opening is blurry and crazy and as bad as anything Uva has ever made before. But once we finally get to Urukier and we kind of get a little bit more about this backstory... It kind of finds its groove. It settles into a plot that seems relatively linear and one that I can follow. I'm excited because in the opening fight, there's like a four-wheel drive vehicle with a turret gun mounted on top. I'm like, hey, that's from the game because I can steal those vehicles and use that turret gun to fuck people up. So he is sticking to the game here. (laughs) If you can see it. I mean, you know, there is, it's really dark. This opening is like, they're on a road and like, I literally think the headlights are the like cameraman's lighting gear. So on the commentary, Uva goes, this is much too bright. Why is this going on? And one of the (laughs) other guys there is like, you're not seeing the final transfer, Uva. When we get this finished processing, it'll be darker. (laughs) Oh, it's way too dark. I mean, again, and part of it is, of course, I don't know who any of these people are. There's some guy that's running to an electric fence and he ends up getting mashed through it like a potato through a food processor. And was he important? Was he bringing something? They're yelling names. What's important? I'm having that anxiety I always do when I come to Uva Bowl. But once we finally cut to the control room and I see Udo Kier, one of my favorite character actors, I'm like, okay, I get it. They all work for him. He's using them as guinea pigs so that he can let his creation, he's Dr. Frankenstein, and something that we won't see for a while is his monster. Did you guys catch, and maybe we should call John Williams his lawyer, but this opening sequence, the score got very, very close to sounding like Jaws. You know, the frenzied, dun 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 I was like, I had to listen to it a couple times. I'm like, geez, they might have changed a few notes, but they're, they're really skirting copyright here. 
I didn't notice that, but I, I noticed later Udo Kier is like putting on Wagner records, but like the score, that ain't Wagner. Like, I don't, it's, maybe it's a sound alike. You know, there are people in this business who are like, let me listen to the song you can't get the rights to, and I'll try to copy it without getting sued. How can you not get the rights to Wagner? There has to be some public domain version of that performance somewhere. Well, he's less than 100 years old, and you have to hire an orchestra to do it. So they're dealing with what they can on a keyboard. But you know what? It doesn't look as lavish as in The Name of the King or even Blood Rain, but it doesn't look as paltry as some of those sequels. So I'm feeling better about it. It's not going to be the worst, and that's a good thing. No, yeah. I mean, watching this opening scene and, you know, moving from the darkness of the forest into the bright starkness of the white-walled laboratories and stuff like that. I was starting to get flashbacks of doom. And, you know, mm-hmm. and this this has better set design than that movie. So, I mean, I'm feeling optimistic up to this point. Once we get there, I'm not optimistic for about 10 minutes. It takes a real long time to get to our main, main hero. We can discuss him in a bit, but I think it's probably just helpful to get through all of the backstory first. There's another guy, his colleague from a SEAL team of some prior adventure from Max, and he's part of the security detail that's unhappy to find out that he's being picked off by something that are in these containment units and in blows Major Briggs from Twin Peaks to say, we bought these with, I think he's what, U.S.? These are commissioned by the military? Yeah, I thought, yeah, you called him Major Briggs. I'm like, okay, he got a promotion to General Briggs, but he's basically the same character here. (laughs) He shows up wanting to see the soldiers that they paid for and is upset because they're berserkers. They're going to kill anything, not just the enemy troops, but will kill your troops as well if they get a chance. And I'm willing to bet, I know this was shot around the same time as a House of the Dead 2. These probably are the same actors. This is probably the same, like, what they're repurposing it. Like, but, you know, what can you do? It's probably better to have people, bald guys with white face paint, than to try to have some CGI dragon or something you can't pull off. They have the creature that they can fight for this budget. To be honest, I am so sick of video games having Resident Evil ripoff characters i mean silent hill this even you know doom was before resident evil but doom has kind of succumbed to this where it's just these flesh distended creatures and it's like you know i'm glad they didn't go there i would rather have pancake makeup troops than to see a lesser resident evil distended monkey You know, they did get super soldiers in the game, too, but they started off with just primates, monkeys that were hairless and stretched skin. And you don't think this is Resident Evil? I feel like everything you just described is what this is in the same vein of. I'm just saying I'm glad I didn't have the same monster design again. I'm just bored of that monster design where I see the guy with the pyramid hat and I'm like, that could go in any of these games. It happens to be Silent Hill, but it doesn't have to be. (laughs) Oh, come on. I would love the art direction of Silent Hill in this movie. (laughs) It's very very toned down. I mean, the super soldiers are just, they look like they're drained of blood and they're yoked and they're all bald. And the problem is... Major Briggs, or as he's called in this movie, General Roderick, likes the fact that their skin is bulletproof, likes the fact that they can fight and they're angry, 
but they still can't take orders. They're bulletproof, but they can take a needle. I, I didn't understand that. Yeah, I wondered about that. I'm like, how ex- they can't shoot him except in the eyes. They're vulnerable in the eyes, but their skin is like Kevlar, but they want to sedate him and they just inject him? That's <laughs> It's kind of like how Superman can stand there and take a bullet, but if they throw the gun at him, he ducks. <laughs> So anyway, this spy, this Max guy, is trying to send emails to his niece, who is a reporter for some paper. I have no idea what part of the, the world this is taking place. Maybe Seattle? It's, it felt Pacific Northwesty. Yeah, but she's going to be excited about this communication and convince her editor, Michael Paré, that she needs to go and, and tell this story and, and book a ship and go to this island of super secret soldiers. I don't know why she is a reporter in this. One of the people working on this in the commentary asks Uva, why did you downplay this character of Valerie? Because... In the first game, Valerie is a soldier herself. She was infiltrating the island trying to stop the doctor. So why make her now a non-combatant reporter? And Uva literally just paused and never answered the question and said, so in the next scene, will you see CGI? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, I'm, you think me I'm going to take notes on the game or story notes from anyone, really? I mean, I'm just surprised he's not trying to pull her top off. They'll have a naked scene later. But if you're asking why questions, I want to know why there's a lumber mill on an island. Like, how do you get the wood there? Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. But the whole secret lab base that Krieger is working out of is a former lumber mill. And so she's gotten pictures sent to her from her uncle that makes her think that they're doing more than make paper there. And so, hot tip, she's going to book a cruise with uh, the star of this movie, Till Schweiger. Who? Yeah, I I looked him up because I was really like, why couldn't you get Michael Paré for this? Like, why, <laughs> why did you go with a nobody? Till Schweiger is a big deal in Germany. He's won awards for being a comedic actor. He's written and directed his own films. He was a get. And we reviewed him in the video game series already. He was Sean, the bad guy in Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. <laughs> I don't remember anything about that movie. Yeah, he, he was Hugo Stiglitz in, in Glorious Bastards. Which one was that? He was the one that they recruited out of jail. They broke him out of jail because he was such a good Nazi killer on his own. Okay, I couldn't even... I thought I figured he was Nazi number three. So, like, he was actually... Tarantino recognized his talent. That means something. Because he's horrible here. He is really out of... Like, it made me wonder... I assumed that this was like some kind of homage to a Seagal Van Damme and that this guy was a martial artist. Like my presumption going into the movie was this guy is going to have skills. So it's kind of weird that we find him drunk on a boat and kind of acting like Uva. Like I feel like he's doing an impersonation (laughs) of Uva when a bunch of Americans want him to do what they paid him to do. And he's like, fuck you. I'm going down below and and drinking beer and you can steer the ship. (laughs) I do wonder why they did this. I mean, Jack Carver is a very American character in the game, possible ex-CIA, definitely ex-Special Forces. And so maybe Uva felt like he owed his countrymen that if taking a German game and a film with a German director, the star should be German. But it is interesting to have this very thick-accented German 
be ex-U.S. Special Forces. Yeah, and it, this thing was shot in British Columbia, so they could have gone with a Canadian, an American. They they flew this guy over special, which again, I'm thinking this guy has a black belt or three of them or something. He's got moves and we're going to just have to wait to see them. Yeah, like I thought maybe we were discovering a new Jason Statham before people realized, oh, he's actually a pretty good actor and he's not just a guy doing stunts or whatever. So no, it, it's just, it's an actor that has worked before. But, you know, I mean, for as many things that I feel like are at least treading the line of being a normal movie in this movie, it it just all of a sudden starts getting real Uva bowled up real quick. Like he, he doubles up on funny older couple characters. Like there was no reason to have the people who own the dock and the people on the boat, like pick one of those (laughs) for your comic relief and let's just stick with them. Yeah. What he said on the commentary was with house of the dead, we tried to play it serious and everybody laughed. So now we do it funny, and then they laugh with us. And I'm like, none of this is funny. We want to see the whales, Jack. No, this is not working. I mean, how many more movie reviews do I have to say Uva's sense of humor is not funny? It is honestly Commander Data trying to understand humor before his emotion chip gets closer than Uva on his best day. And yet I will say this, since we are grading different shades of shit brown, I feel like this one feels more like something I'd expect to see in a straight-to-tape movie. Like, normally, Uva goes blue and, like, there's just an obese woman, like, pulling lice out of her pussy or something like that. And, like, that would be the joke. Here, it's just Americans, Southerners that want to see whales and, you know, the ugly American stereotype. That's something I expect to see mocked in, in any movie like this. The problem is you, you really need, like, a Kurt Russell or a Michael Douglas from Romancing the Stone. You need a Harrison Ford, someone that can be tough, but also kind of cynical, sarcastic, and, and funny. And this guy has got none of Uva Bowl's funny. Right. The, the only charisma on screen is coming from Dr. Krieger. I mean, that's the only source of any sort of machismo, any sort of like star power. Everybody else in this movie seriously feels like stunt doubles or the last person to answer the phone and just happened to get the job. It just, <laughs> it, it feels all very Kmart catalogy. You know what? I'm going to give Valerie a compliment, and it's only because we just covered Blood Rain, but she's so much better than Natasha Malfa. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to agree as well. Manuel is really fine. <laughs> yeah, she could totally be in a Hallmark movie. Absolute C+. Plus. There are two female characters that get quite a bit of time in this movie, and she's the best. Yeah, she's going to have this sort of meet-cute. Again, I kept thinking of Romancing the Stone or any action comedy where a man and a woman meet and hate each other, but eventually are going to, through the machinations of the adventure, fall in love. She is carrying Till. Like, she's doing a better job than he is of trying to create whatever chemistry they have as she drags him out on a boat tour and tells him the man he used to work with, Max, is now in trouble on this island. I find it funny when she burns the fish. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they have a kebab cooker on a boat, which, again, seems like a bad idea, but probably something that Uva would insist on on set. Stuart, you're you're so right to invoke, you know, Romancing the Stone or something, where it's, you know, people that were thrown together into a shitty situation, and they're knocking heads the whole time, but through misadventure and close calls with their lives, they eventually realize, oh, hey, you know, let's hook up. This movie is, holy cow, 
This girl is going to see if there's something going on crazy on this island, trying to get in a hold of her uncle. You know that old story where you, you charter a boat for the afternoon and you get there and the boat blows up and then you get attacked by a paramilitary and you run away. You end up in a cabin on this island. And next thing you know, you're fucking the guy that drove you there. You know, that, that old story. Like, <laughs> you would insert, like, this is where patter matters. This is where something that Uva has never cared about would really come into play. Like, things that people say to one another, wit, charm, the right look at the right moment. These are the kinds of things that sell the thin line between love and hate, between bickering on-screen stars. I agree that it's... Till is the one dropping the ball here. I wanted to like this Jack Carver. I spent a lot of time with him in the game. And I'm just like, this guy is just an asshole letting her go on this island that he knows not to go to somehow. It, it is kind of House of the Dead in that way. If you remember that, Udo Kier and Clint Howard didn't want to take those kids to that island, but did for extra money and it all went to hell. But you got to go to the rave somehow. <laughs> And so here we've got the same thing where he'll take her to the island, but he won't go himself. But we get a decent recreation of the opening cutscene to the game here where the boat blows up and he has just enough time to get the hell off of it and swim to the island. And this is where, yes or no, can this guy have any fighting skills? There are no lights. And so it's really dark when, like, he climbs out of the ocean and fights people. But he at least looks like he's in shape and, like, hits them within the same shot, hits someone in the face. So I'm going to call this the best fight choreography in any Uva Bowl film. Like, I actually feel like, yeah, this looks sort of like a fight scene if we had more lights here. Here's what's interesting. They had $30 million to make this movie. What? And here I was thinking that they were, like, three or four million poor. <laughs> They did so much CGI because I'm watching behind the scenes and I'm seeing some of these punches and I'm like, that doesn't even look close to connecting. Why are they filming from this angle if that's how close you're going to get? They cut and pasted every actor out of the action scenes. Rotoscoping is the term, but people who use Photoshop will understand and moved them closer together so the punches looked like they were close. So they digitally manipulated virtually every frame of these fights. <laughs> wow. Instead of having good stunt people, they had one guy with a computer and a heavy workload. <laughs> they had a guy with After Effects. But the fight scenes and the stunts aren't necessarily great or even, you know, above average. But for a Nuva Bowl film, I I'm at least seeing it on screen. I mean, we're seeing practical explosions. We're seeing boats being dropped from helicopters. We're seeing blades almost hit our characters underwater. I mean, there's, there's some technically decent shots for a movie like this. And it's somewhat surprising because we've seen so many of his movies and it's just never on screen. But he does have 30 million. We have to realize we're in mid-period bowl. Early bowl, people didn't know how much he sucked. Mid-period bowl, they're starting to realize that this isn't such a great idea, but still writing big checks for this. And it wasn't until shortly after this that we'd really get low-budget, shitty-ass bowl. But, yeah, I agree. This is perfectly adequate action. Yeah, this is his second biggest budget if it's $30 Because In the Name of the King was 60 and and Blood Ring was 25 I did not realize that. To me, this looks like American Ninja 3 from 1987. 
but I was trying to at least give it that kind of low-rent 80s cred. Like, that seems to be what they're trying to do here with Till Schweiger, which reminds me a lot of Brunschweiger, but I, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But he's no Arnold. He's not even as charming and witty as Sly. I really feel like it's remarkable to me that in Germany he's known as a funny, likable actor. Like, he won comedy awards. That blows my mind. It could be a cultural barrier. Maybe it's different in German. I mean... In German, everybody sounds like they're shouting. Maybe that's really funny with Till. <laughs> Again, I also think he might be channeling Uva. I think he might actually say, Uva's not telling me what this character is, so I'm just going to literally impersonate him on screen. And just, if he's unlikable, that's my experience of being on this set. <laughs> I think you're onto something there, because no grown adult has ever asked a sexual partner to rate them on a scale of 1 to 10. It just, <laughs> it's never happened, except for maybe Uva Bull, you know? Uh, you know, maybe. Maybe uh, some people might have. <laughs> I mean, in romantic comedy, I'm not saying me, but maybe I, I have a friend who your good friend did. <laughs> I, exactly so. I mean, now, here again, this stuff we've all seen. This this can be fun. This it's a lighter action. It's not the kind of thing I've ever seen Uva strive for before. But the idea that romantic chemistry that they're not going to just you know rip each other's clothes off and fuck against prison bars, but actually try to do screwball comedy. Do you have your gun with you and he actually did have his gun with him. <laughs> yeah i think it really sometimes kind of felt like yeah goldie hawn and mel gibson or something like that it felt like they were going for those big successful star power movies uh, where yeah ditzy blondes and tough guy he-man get dragged into some kind of courtship while they're on the run no i like i like the instinct of what they're trying to do but it's soaked in uva bull and he just doesn't understand these things he's seen these things in other movies and i think he's attracted to some of these tropes but he just doesn't understand them enough to even like rip them off Oh, admittedly, he's never been a good study of anything. He's tried everything under the sun at this point, from spaghetti westerns to George Romero <laughs> zombie movies, and bad at all of it. Auschwitz. Again, I just, there's nothing that he's good at, but I will say his romantic comedy is a refreshing change of pace from his crude comedy. Like, if these were people that were, you know, farting and popping their zits, uh, like, that would really, he's not going postal. And that was made around the same time. He could have easily been tempted to just, you know, show his ass. And he tries to be romantic. I'm amazed at how rote this feels. <laughs> it is funny when, yes, after just going through the Blood Rain trilogy, completely average, this would have worked with Cynthia Rothrock in the late 80s, is... A pleasant surprise from Uva. I, I can follow it. Like, there's no weird tangents or, like, parts that feel left out. Okay, they're on the run. I know who's chasing them. I know sort of why. And, you know, that we know that in the meantime, her Uncle Max she's trying to rescue is being transformed. We cut back to the lab. And I, it's it's not exactly clear to me why he's the secret to being an obedient soldier but for whatever reason krieger thinks he's fixed the problem with them obeying and now next generation terminator universal soldier this will be something the military will buy and take it for what you will but i actually really liked the small detail 
of them having a ribbon cable going into the guy's brain. I mean, admittedly, ribbon cables are kind of retro in and of themselves these days, but it was kind of fun to see them pretending that they have like a, I don't know, a floppy drive or something in his head. (laughs) It's also a bitch to reconnect those things, especially if they come unplugged inside of your skin, but... You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was going to the computer outside, so you unplugged it after the upload. <laughs> oh. And he was the only one to keep his hair, I think. So maybe that was the discoveries. Don't shave them while making them super soldiers. He was also the smartest to begin with. So maybe don't just take the stupid muscle. Hmm. Because he was going to leave. He had ethics, but he stuck around just to help Valerie and expose this thing. Right. So we have, to, again, I almost feel like Max would be the better star for this. He actually had action cred of some kind. He was at least playing Arnold Schwarzenegger leftovers. He had a Conan syndicated TV series in the 90s. And so Max feels like, again, if you think about Universal Soldier, they're trying to create a Van Damme versus Dolph Lundgren kind of scenario here. We know that these two are going to fight. They used to be friends, and now one has been converted And so when are they going to get together? It will take most of the movie to get to that showdown. But I think it's something that if they had more star power, audiences would be excited to see. Just from a storytelling standpoint, it just feels a little low stakes overall. Like it would have made more sense if Max was was her father and she was going to help her father out. But just an uncle... It's like, whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm an uncle, so I'm like, I, I hope I'm like, but yeah, I don't see myself on an island being rescued by my niece, or vice versa, frankly. And it, it is strange that it's an uncle relationship, but she is a reporter as well. She's not just going for him, she's going for the story. I wish they'd sold her more as the hard-edged reporter, so that we could have gotten a little bit more reasoning besides, I just like my uncle. Right, but she drops that. I mean, there's a point where they could leave, and she's like, no, I'm not going without my uncle. And it's like, uh, okay. But hey, you know, I see archetypes here. I just want to celebrate the fact that this is a recognizable <laughs> movie with a love interest and former friends that are now going to have to fight each other and a mad scientist. The only thing else we need now is some comic relief. Let's have Chris Coppola's food guy pop in to give us a funny boat chase in the spirit of a Dom DeLuise cannonball run. Ooh, boy. Really? I feel like he's probably as good as, uh, what's that guy? Josh Gad? Like, I feel like he could give Josh Gad a run for his money. (laughs) I don't know if I'd hit Josh that hard, but I I will say that Chris Coppola is doing his absolute best here. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Would it be better with Nick Cage? Well, of course it would, but it would maybe not be any better acted. Well, again, Chris Coppola doing his best. I've only seen him in Blood Rain 2 and this, and he's better here than in Blood Rain 2 because he feels like he's comfortable here as the sandwich guy with the bad back, whereas he never really felt real as the reporter in the Wild West. So I'll give it that, but I don't know him well enough to say this is the best he can give. And yeah, I'm not a huge Josh Gad fan either, other than his YouTube stuff. So yeah, I, I'm i not going to say he's necessarily worse than Josh Gad, but he is no Oliver Platt, sir. I mean, he's choking on meatball sandwiches and hanging off the side of speedboats. And later he'll be tied back to back to Schweiger and trying to play I spy while evoking dance school moves to 
sit on the floor. I mean, he's throwing out comedy, and I'm going to bet that this actor actually improvised some of this. I don't feel like this is the Uva Bowl comedy. I feel like this is a stand-up comedian saying, let me try to help this movie. And in doing so, elevating it above Postal, elevating it above the other funny uva we've seen yeah i mean my only complaint really is is you know just shoddy editing i mean it feels like there was a lot of takes and they left a few too many of them in you know a little less emilio as a character would have gone a long way yeah yeah i think that's the problem is he shows up and he really overtakes his scenes and there was a lot of ad-libbing i believe me he goes on further and further if you watch the deleted scenes and yeah there are moments where till is really annoyed that he keeps going and there are moments where he makes till break character and laugh hmm. that guy can laugh <laughs> I know it was a <laughs> comedy actor till Schweiger I, I, maybe has a twin brother or something like I just feels like not this guy but but apparently so the the German box office would not lie he's a big star and now that we're like moving on to like bright locations they have daylight here with the boats and later they'll be in a big white room I can actually see the fight choreography I'm not going to call it great but the flipping's pretty good. I feel like the parkour that we see, some of the running up walls and stuff like that, that feels credible. That feels like I'd see in any martial arts movie. The fighting, and now Arnie has explained why with the rotoscoping, less into that. But I do feel like the stunts, uh, when we get them, are on par with a straight-to-tape video movie from the 80s. And one thing I'm always looking for in movies like this that are associated with a video game or, you know, some sort of supernatural thing is is the rules. And they did set up the rules with these super soldiers. The only way to kill them, like Arnie said earlier, is to hit them in the mouth or the eye. But I feel like we were ripped off from a potentially cool scene when one of them gets cut in half by a big industrial saw. And that's just the end of him. I thought we would at least get to see a little bit of like, oh, the torso's still coming after him. And that should have been, well, I know you don't want to kill Max because again, allegedly, we don't have any flashbacks. All we know is that they had a secret code word about Tisch tennis, which is, I guess, German for table tennis. They used to be friends and they had a safe word and now they're forced to fight each other. I feel like the big fight, the big bad should be at least for a while Max, but he doesn't really go there. Like he walks in and suddenly gets, you know, he's being ordered by his circuitry to kill, but eventually turns good guy very easily. And we never, we get blue balled with the Universal Soldier showdown we were promised. Yeah, I wanted more there and it felt it was very Martha, you've got to save Martha level <laughs> of turn. But again, in Uva Bull films, that's good. <laughs> yeah. The fact that we get a buzzsaw is good. So that it kills some no-name guy. Like, yeah, a little disappointing. There are some people here. I just want to point out, yes, Clint Howard is apparently running around somewhere in here. And I froze frame it, and then I Googled it, and it's true. Anthony Bourdain, the food critic from the Travel Channel, is here getting gunned down in the laboratory, <laughs> playing a character named Tad Chenkow. One has to wonder what delicacies Uva made him eat to be in the film. <laughs> and I think that's <laughs> Natasha Maltha playing that plank of wood that's being beaten up over the, the Bond villain assassin. They got this sexy female uh, henchwoman who is around slitting throats and betraying people for reasons. 
Natalia Avalon, who plays Katia, is awful. She's so bad that Bol apologized in the commentary. No, 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 no. That She's the Bond villainess. She's no on the top, but she's no Natasha Malta either. Well, she is really bad in her scenes. And, you know, we didn't mention a couple of other characters who were Udo's generals and have some infighting there. And I didn't care about either of those general people until one kind of has a flip at the end. Yeah, the, so the last... 30 minutes feels like a video game. We have the main character and other people walking around warehouses. Alarms are going off. Strobes are going off. Shooting people. It's pretty impersonal. Is this in any way the Far Cry experience? Well, there's less punching, (laughs) but, you know, it's all gunplay or, you know, if you run out of ammo, you get a machete and get to hack people up. There was one thing that I thought about this was there's the moment where Valerie waves down a truck and they're like what the hell is she doing here so that they can steal the outfit and infiltrate the lab and when that happens jack carver takes the two guys out of the truck knocks one out puts the other at gunpoint and then ties them to a tree and all i'm thinking is no in the game shoot them both in the head this is what the game is kill them all you are a mass murderer and so Anytime I saw soldiers live, I didn't feel was the game, but I was getting a lot of game flashbacks. Helicopters attack you in the game. There are boats with machine guns. At one point, Jack grabs a turret gun. There are turret guns all over this game that you can use to mow people down. It's like Uva actually learned something about the game. Maybe he just had dinner at his friends and the friend kept talking about it while they were developing it. But if only they had a Foley artist. I do feel like some of this action is this close to being credible, but the sound design, you know, all the stuff we appreciate, but like don't really think about or don't ever really talk about on the show. We just assume when we watch an action movie, it's going to have these technical elements to sell the fighting. Boy, when you don't have it, you realize it. And so I do feel like even in the best fighting stuff here, when Till is doing some mildly impressive flips and and all of that stuff, I feel like it doesn't quite sound and look like a fight sequence we would expect to see in a theatrical film. He gets close. This is maybe the most legit Uwe Boll movie ever, but still not as good as many of the fighting games we've seen adapted in the arcade so far. Yeah, I wish this action was better, to be honest. There's so much of it Mm. that I just wished that I was into it more, but it is a long bit. And to be perfectly honest, I watched this movie twice for this review. Wow. This climax started, and I pushed stop. I'm like, I just want to play the game. I stopped the movie, went and played the game for about eight hours. (laughs) It was like 4 a.m. when I was done. Went to bed. Days passed, and I'm like, Fine, I got to go back and rewatch Far Cry, and I don't remember what happened. So I watched it again to this point. But the quote-unquote action, which should be exciting, bored me to the point that I just wanted to grab a fucking controller. So should he have done the trick he did in House of the Dead and just insert shots from the video game? Like, make that the action scene of just, like, somebody like you playing Far Cry? (laughs) 
No. That truly is what I feel is missing from this this whole project is some sort of signature. You know, at least mm. at least in House of the Dead, there was that cool. Or, I mean, you know, I don't. We could argue of whether how effective or cool it was, but it's at least memorable. You know, you get these cool panning freeze frame camera shots. This is just a lot of action that after a while it just gets boring to watch. Yeah, it's boring and impersonal. And again, who could keep track of which bald guy is which? And even Max, again, who's built up as the ultimate bad and then becomes the ultimate good like i think he what like he gets shot in the head but like breaks the neck of the bond villainous as he goes down like i just yeah nobody really gets a good moment and till schweiger again i think that he might be good on the trampoline but i just i don't think he's ready to take on commando 2 or red heat 4 if he wants to be a low-rent action guy, this isn't the movie that's going to sell it. And Max is honestly the disappointing one of all of them. Like, at one point, he leaps in the air with a fist. Like, I thought he was going to punch two guys at once. It's like some Mortal Kombat thing. And then he just, like, grabs them both by the shirt and they fall. All three of them just fall. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that almost was a cool moment. And it's all so stuttery and quick cut and just that jerky missing frame kind of action like he's trying to impersonate a born film poorly that i'm left with a bit of a headache and the real pisser is because i didn't watch the ending the first time i went and played the game when i'm watching this the second time i'm like what the fuck happened to udo kier i had to rewind it i'm like they don't really make it clear. I think they're leaving it open that Udo could return in a sequel. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't think that he would be good in a fight. I love Udo Kier, but I never want to see that. After Ben Kingsley's non-fighting and blood rain, please don't make Udo do anything like that. Like, what we see is that he, as the mad scientist, has some formula on his easel. We think he's been painting a painting, but in fact, it's just the DNA code for how he controls his super soldiers. He paints it black, he's trying to get to Shanghai, and Emilio, the food guy, stole his boat. So does he get away? Could he make super soldiers in China? All left open for a Far Cry 2 that so far has never been made, and I have to believe 13 years later has no chance of, of happening. I believe that Ubisoft probably didn't let him. Mm. You know, I'm wondering if Ubisoft, who did make an Assassin's Creed game, and had Michael Fassbender star in it, may not want to bring back Till Schweiger. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I've actually heard rumors very recently that they are thinking about rebooting this and doing it like as a real movie. Like, I mean, if you call Assassin's Creed a real movie, we haven't gotten there yet, but it's more dynamic than this. That just leaves me with the question of, again, to what effect? Like, what is it that we're grabbing onto with this franchise other than the name Far Cry? There's there's nothing special or memorable outside of that name. You know what I'm saying? Like, it might be a super fun game. It might be really awesome to play, but there's no Laura Croft here. There's no Sub-Zero. There's no cool finishing moves. It's just adventure on whatever island they set you on in the game. Yeah, it's slightly worse than a syndicated action series from the 90s. Like, I feel like... It's not characters you want to follow. It's impersonal. And, you know, they try to end cute. The food guy drives them back to shore. She can't publish the article because MIB people think it's a national security risk. But she at least got a boyfriend out of it. And he gets his boat back through insurance. And, you know, again, lightheartedness. I never have seen this with Uva Bull. I've seen 
nasty funny. But the fact that he's trying to do Romancing the Stone, it doesn't suit him any better than any other genre, but at least is more pleasant going down. You know, when we end up with him back on the boat and he's hired Chris Coppola to be there and says he has a charter, I'm like, it's the fucking whale people again. I know how Uva works. It's going to be the whale. Oh, fuck, it's the whale people. Way to leave a bad taste in my mouth after a perfectly bland meal. (laughs) (laughs) Too much pepper. But was it bland enough to get Uva his first green arrow on any now playing? Mm-hmm. Justin Stewart, could you possibly actually recommend Far Cry? It's a, it's actually in play. I actually feel like <laughs> more than any other movie he's made, it's the only one I could conceive of maybe being within striking distance of acceptable. <laughs> Justin. That's where I will put it, too, is if, if gun to your head, somebody is going to make you watch an Uva Bowl movie and you have to pick one of them. Yeah, I recommend you pick this one. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, outside of that, I mean, I think I've already said it. It's his best work, but even at his best, it's still just boring, bland, and a ripoff at every turn. Everything he puts on screen is something he's seen somewhere else, but didn't understand what he was seeing. It's like a kid copying your homework, but from three seats back, and he's misspelling every other word because he can't quite see what you're writing. It's, just, <laughs> it's maddening, and part of me is scared that I'm looking at this movie through rose-colored glasses, knowing that it's the last time we have to talk about this man's work. So, mm. uh, you know, I, I may want to revisit this in a year from now just to see if, like, oh, I was just happy because I never had to talk about Uva Bowl again. And we've just come through Blood Rain. I mean, it is yeah. so painful. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just to come out of that, almost anything would look good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, suspense drawn out. No, this is not a recommend. But like I said, gun to your head. If you have to watch Uva Bowl, this is going to be your least painful entry. Gun to the head, but yeah, maybe you could wrestle it away from them and then shoot them for trying to make you watch Uva Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Stuart. Yeah, I'm going to similarly give a backhanded compliment here and just bitch slap Uva by saying that you did as good as you could and it's bad. Like Valerie rates her night with Jack as a two. I'll be slightly more generous. No, it's a solid three. It's a totally ordinary, bad, straight-to-tape action movie with a third-rate star who can't have any charisma with his leading lady and has some choppy fight scene. But you know what? I could follow up what was going on. I largely knew who all the characters are and, and what they wanted. This coherence is something to celebrate in the realm of Uwe Boll's <laughs> career because he just never seems to want to go there. And so it's kind of nice to, yeah, end on a high note. A three out of ten, mind you, not very high, but an important way to see the end of a really painful leg in the now playing arcade. And so, yeah, I mean, it will be interesting to do a side by side. Somebody like a Mick G will get this property in the next couple of years and will be able to say, is there anything that Uva did better uh, than Hollywood? And ma- this would be the property maybe where he could possibly do that. But it's it's hard to imagine because everything here is something you've seen before. It's cliched. It's impersonal. It has no personality. And I think that's what Uva has always been striving to do. He has tried to find some soul and has only been able to find copies of copies of things that people love. And so 
at his best, it's a week not recommend. Yeah, three for three in that this is the best of a bunch of shit bulls. This one almost makes the grade, you know? It comes close. It kept close to the video game, which is not a requirement for a good movie, but when compared to Bull's other nine adaptations, it's a huge leap forward. It probably <laughs> helped that he had that structure. It probably helped that he didn't try to write a story. He just mm -hmm. stole the games. <laughs> Let's do less. <laughs> Sit in the back and drink beer. But, you know, what I realized when watching this is I'm numb. I don't care. In fact, never in my life have I cared so little, which means I don't hate it. So it's not a recommend, but it's comfortably numb. <laughs> <laughs> Cue the Pink Floyd. I guess if we played Dark Side of the Moon against this, maybe we would see cool <laughs> patterns or something. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Nothing cool here. But as a recommend, you're not going to go there, right? Being numb is not the same thing as enjoying it. No, no, it's a not recommend. No, no. Okay, okay, good, good, good. We all saw the same movie, and I think it'll be interesting. I don't know, can you guys do it? Can you rank the Uva Bowl experiences from best to worst? This is clearly the best, and I would argue Blood Rain, Third Reich is the worst, but trying to figure out that sticky, ugly middle, it's a little difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to sit here and think, was it really only, what, 10 Uva Bowl movies? Because it feels like such a large part of our life at this point. <laughs> <laughs> we stretched it out. And wanting to not watch them, we ended up procrastinating. COVID didn't help either. This was all going to be done a year ago. But yeah, we did spend several years trying to get through this filmography. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I had to rank them, the only criteria that I can even give it at this point is memorability, you know? And this one, while it's his least offensive and probably his best effort at making a movie as we know it, it's going to be something I don't remember in two years from now. The only one that sticks out in my mind to any degree is Postal. Does that make it my favorite? I don't I don't know, but it's going to be the one that I remember. That's like saying I've seen a lot of car wrecks, but the one where I saw the brain splatter down the street was the most memorable. <laughs> True. I mean, that's where I'm at with this, you know? I mean, because the other ones are trilogies that I just remember, like, kept revolving cast of characters that weren't in any way related to the character in the movie before it. So those are all just a hodgepodge of nothing in my brain. I mean, I remember parts of House of Dead. I, I kind of think I remember watching Alone in the Dark, but that's about it, you know? <laughs> you were alone in the dark. That's <laughs> yeah. what you remember. Any of the trilogy ones are down there. I would say Postal, maybe Name of the King, and then the rest are just a toss-up. Fortunately, I've been keeping my letterboxed up to date for several years now, logging virtually everything. Once in a while, I do miss a movie, it turns out, but I'm logging virtually everything and rating it. So I was able to go to Letterboxd and just pull my star ratings for these and remember enough of them that I can give a one sentence as to why. Mm. Far Cry is the best because it was... Meh. The best. Yes, it was. <laughs> it just was. You can see it. It's it's competent. Followed by In the Name of the King, the first one, where they had money, they had aerial shots, they were kind of going for Lord of the Rings, it didn't totally suck. 60 million goes a long way to elevating a shit pile. Followed by Blood Rain 2. Whoa. Whoa, really? <laughs> that was way down on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that one with its Wild West setting was simple enough as, as compared to the first one and especially the third one. Okay. Fourth, I was surprised I had it this high, but Postal? <laughs> yeah. No, it is. Far Cry Postal in the name of the king are among his best. 
<laughs> what a reputation. What's next? Alone in the Dark? That was the other one that I'm a little more forgiving now. No, my next one is the original Blood Rain. Again, more money, better Ooh. settings. Oh, that one's so awful, though. It's so dull. Yeah, but boobies. Barely boobies. That's where <laughs> they fuck in the prison cell. It's not like I'm talking Blood Rain 3 with the girl on girl. Oh, true. Yeah. Then House of the Dead, because it did have that cool spinning camera trick that, you know, was memorable. I mean, they tried something for style. Then In the Name of the King 2 with Dolph. I mean, we're really getting down there. Mm-hmm. Then Blood Rain, the Third Reich, only higher than the next few because of Girl on Girl. Then Alone in the Dark. And the very dregs, the absolute worst for me, the one that was so painful, was In the Name of the King 3. Mm-hmm. With Dominic Purcell trying oh, yeah. to redo In the Name of the King 2. That dragon. Yeah, yeah. That very unhappy bald man. I mean, who had the personality of one of these super soldiers trying to pretend there was a dragon flying around while rescuing kids from a crate. Yeah, that one was awful. <laughs> really awful. Mine is similar. I, I would say Far Cry Postal for me was always uh, top In the Name of the King because of the money. I put Alone in the Dark as way higher. There's something about seeing Tara Reid and Christian Slater pretend to fight aliens in a museum that is just going to be more entertaining than those no-budget movies where nothing is happening. Uh, so, like, it, it makes it towards the top because of that. In the Name of the King 2 next because, hey, being Dolphed is better than the prison break guy. <laughs> House of the Dead. Are we not doing the, the ones bold and direct? I put House of the Dead 2 over House of the Dead 1 slightly. Blood Rain 2 slightly above Blood Rain 1. Alone in the Dark 2 way, way down. The, the three worst, the ones that there's just no redemption. Alone in the Dark 2, In the Name of the King 3, and Blood Rain Third Reich. Which, again, part of that is because it's all mixed up in my head with Blubberella and Auschwitz. <laughs> you know, truthfully, I don't regret. The one I took the flamethrower to was Alone in the Dark 2. And out of all these others, no Uva film seems to be as bad as the sequel to an Uva film that does not have Uva. <laughs> right? <laughs> you need the bowl to truly make it special, I guess. Well... Woo! Let's hold on to our quarters and just take a break from video game movies for a while. You can keep playing Far Cry if you want to, Arnie. But I think we need to walk away from this series for just a little bit and wait for Monster Hunter. You know, you're all going to be a lot kinder to Paul W.S. motherfucking Anderson after you bowl. I bet if we went back and did Resident Evil now, yeah. I'd see a lot of green. <laughs> I would have made an Oscar out of my turds yes, and handed it to him. <laughs> Which I still might do, actually. Kind of fun idea. But Monster Hunter is a movie that came out at Christmas in theaters in China, I think. Or wherever COVID is not. Missouri. I think it's in Missouri, but I, I hear what you're saying. No, but I mean, the movie opened in Missouri. I could have gone to St. Louis and saw it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's coming to, I think, home viewing sometime in March. And we're going to try to time and watch it right before we get into the Godzilla movies again. So look for the video game arcade to start back up around that time. We're going to have a lot of games, right? I mean, all the movies are going to move again. So we put video games in for Bond and Black Widow. <laughs> what other movies are going to move? Uh, every day I check my email to see. Like, it's just the thing I do every day about like, okay, what else isn't coming out in the next year and a half? But in the meantime, I think it's time to get back to Stephen King because something new that is coming out, because it's not expected to come into a theater, is that Stephen King miniseries. It's running right now and it will wrap up in mid-February 
We're going to do a couple Stephen King adaptations, starting next week with Needful Things, his supposed goodbye to the Castle Rock universe, and then we're also going to do Sleepwalkers, his original Cat People ripoff, and uh, Gerald's Game, probably the Stephen King novel I've most wanted to read that I haven't. Looking forward to that, definitely. So... I'm looking forward to anything that gets me away from Uva, even if it is movies along the lines of Graveyard Shift. <laughs> yeah, and if you need more bad in your life, please donate and join us this Friday, because we've reached the part of the Omen franchise that nobody talks good things about. Omen 4, The Awakening. That is a donation that helps our show out, and just because Omen 4 may not be good, you get reviews of a lot of acclaimed films. Rosemary's Baby, the original three Omen films, Last House on the Left, The Hills Have Eyes. A lot of reviews. Our fall winter donation drive is quickly coming to an end. It ends with Omen 5, so just about a week and a half left to support our show and get all of these bonus podcasts as a thank you from us. And I do thank you to everybody who's donated so far. And if you can, we would appreciate your donation. And we are excited then to what the spring donation drive will hold. Yeah, more on that soon. Uh, we should have a lot of room on our schedule. But yeah, I, we got some fun things cooking. And who knows? Omen 4 might be a brown arrow. It ain't going to be green, but it might be enjoyable because, yeah, Delia Thorne is coming. Damien's sister. Listeners, thank you for joining us. Justin Stewart, it's over. It's over. It's really over. We did it. <laughs> it is. Again, the, the thing I am most proud and amazed about in 2021 is that I survived Uva. <laughs> so until next time, game over. Well, I think that went quite well, don't you? Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. And that was the last one, Dr. Krieger. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We're uploading now. Outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. You better be here when I get back. You better be here when I get back. Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. See for yourself. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. As you can see, your money was put to good use. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. You can also join the Now Playing Patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month. Plus, even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. I'm positive that you'll be satisfied. 
You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. On a scale from one to ten, how would you rate me? You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. Want to come with me? Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. What time? You work 14 hours a day on this. Associate produced by Jason Latham. I can help you in many ways. I'm the food guy! Now Playing is edited by Arnie. Why don't you have him clean up all the mess? (laughs) Now Playing credits read by Brock. Can you hear me? The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. You ever have anything like this ever happen to you and you get out of the situation or anything remotely like this? Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. How can you live with yourself? I live uh, fine, thank you. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Vinganza Media Incorporated and may not be used without the expressed written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. I don't need to tell you how much trouble you can get in. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2020. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Then we all walk out of here together. Emmanuel Vaugier plays hard-nosed newspaper. <laughs> they still got to do it to you with those names. At least it's not Natasha Martha. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if it's Vaugier, but that sounds right to me. But so does Gal Gadot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's hired Chris Penn. Not Chris Penn. Josh Gad. What's his name? Yeah. Uh, Coppola. <laughs> Chris Coppola. <laughs>